a disclaimer for everyone listening, this podcast will feature spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, go out and do it. This is a movie worth seeing. Unless you have a fear of clowns. Excuse me, sir. Do you have Prince Albert in a can? You do? Well, you better let the poor guy out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an auspicious day. What a day! What a fabulous day! It is, in fact, a red-letter day. Today marks the dawning of a new episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Parker. If at first you don't succeed, keep on sucking till you do succeed. (laughs) And Chris. On the streets... He's known as a jackass. Two premier content creators promoting the healthiest brand integrity in the world. Tell them what they've won, Spider. The way I see it, this should be a very dynamite show. The Fly. The Departed. The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Mr. Deeds. And The Thing. These are the best remakes that Hollywood has had to offer us. For the longest time, remakes have been seen by the public, but never been seen in a positive light. At last, 2017 has finally given us another adaptation of a Stephen King movie, and this one's better than the original. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. And our assignment this week was to go see Stephen King's It, the 2017 version with Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, and for once... I really enjoyed a Stephen King horror movie. I've enjoyed one of these since The Shining, and that's the 1980 version, not the shitty TV miniseries by Stephen King. This one, I gotta tell you, this was good in almost every regard. It is a very, very good horror movie and an excellent adaptation of a Stephen King work. You know, there are so many that have just fallen down that bar of standards that everyone has for you know a quality tv miniseries or a quality movie this one this one's right up there with shawshank green mile carrie which i haven't seen but i heard it's good from someone (laughs) what did you think overall parker before we get into our analysis wait so when he said like a great stephen king adaptation do i need to put my dark tower notes away uh, I that would assume that anyone has seen The Dark Tower, which I, I'm just assuming made like what fourteen thousand dollars at the box office. It probably made enough because we live in a goddamn nightmare. So what you're saying is we're going to see a part two. Don't forget the TV prequel series. But I digress, Chris. <laughs> no, I thought it was great. I almost cried like three times. I think you were a bit higher on it than I was. I remember sitting there and saying at times, oh, this is the most ridiculous thing I've seen beforehand. But uh, first things first, let's get to the news segment. More turmoil in the land of Star Wars as director Colin Trevorrow is out of episode 9. Chris, what are your thoughts on this bamboozling decision? I I don't I don't know who that guy is. Uh, this Star Wars episode 9. When, when's it even coming out? They don't, episode 8 isn't even out yet, right? Uh, if you'll consult your G calendar, you'll see that we have it penciled in for... I, look, I'm not sure. going to... No, no, I, I don't want to... Okay. Chris, we're not going to take I, I don't even seriously. think I'm going to be alive that long, dude. All right? God so, willing. Okay. Let's go on to it. Um, we both made a very, very smart choice and watched the 1990 miniseries beforehand. I, I cannot, in good conscience, recommend this to anyone. It came out in 1990 and, uh... It's, it's like three hours long, and it's not scary or creepy at all. I mean, even if you have a fear of clowns, it's, it's not scary or creepy. Tim Curry, honestly, 
he's too good of a clown. He's really genuinely actually funny. This is a point I'm going to bring up later, so remember it. He He's entertaining in so many regards, but he's not creepy. He's not scary. He's just, he's fun to watch. Every single time he's on screen, I'm happy. And when he's not on screen, I'm waiting for him to show up again. I just hope that he'll enter another scene because he had me rolling in the aisles. He's the best clown since Emmett Kelly. But that's not the way that the movie wants to use him. They want to use him as a villain or something. I, I practically looked at him as the hero. The, the the adults in that movie are just so boring to watch. The kids I liked. Kids I liked a lot. Uh, but overall, it's, it's just a very weak adaptation. It changes a whole lot from the book. Some of them were very necessary changes. A particular scene we will not be discussing was excised from the book. But uh, it, overall, it's something where I don't understand why it's a cult classic. Do you want my hot take about it? Uh, the original 1990 mini Yes. Okay, go for it. I don't think it's scary. I don't think it's particularly good. But you take that 8,000-page novel of jumbled nonsense, give it a late 80s TV budget, TV standards, and TV actors, that's probably about the best you're going to get out of it. I think you're actually right in that regard, because... What did get me about the TV miniseries is that even though it wasn't scary, it did hit on the drama, or at least it sort of hit on the drama, or at least it tried really hard to hit on the drama, because it is more than a horror story. And that's one of the things that it has going for it, is that there's a lot that Stephen King does exceptionally poorly, you know, reusing the same characters or using the same setting and okay. reusing a whole lot of tropes. But one of the things he does exceptionally well is write children. I've never, ever seen another uh, writer of, of any age, of, of any era, who writes dialogue for children better than Stephen King. It's really kind of astounding that a guy of his age is just able to hit on exactly the kind of diction and thoughts and motivations of kids when they were, say, 11 or 12 years old. That, to me, is just so much fun to read because I can really put myself into that mindset. For a good portion of it, the the book, which I read about a decade ago, so my thoughts on that are just really fuzzy. If I get anything wrong on that, people, go ahead and call me out or something. I, I just barely remember it, but I, I think I got a grasp of it. I think my, my very favorite part was that going through it, it sounded almost like a child legend, something that you would have made up when you were 11 or 12 years old. I think my favorite part of Stephen King writing about childhood and being a kid is how much I don't know what happened to him as a child but greasers have influenced his life in a way that is unparalleled any story that takes place before like 1984 has a bunch of dudes with slick back hair and switchblades and it's always yeah <laughs> apparently bullies back then were way more hardcore like I'm not going to pretend like I didn't get bullied I got bullied a lot when I was in elementary school and middle school but Fuck, they were never like this. Yeah, no one ever called me the N-word and attacked me with a switchblade. They just sent me tweets about green frogs. <laughs> Alright, uh, so for the for, for it, it, both movies start out sort of the same way, and the book starts off basically the same way. Uh, little Georgie Denbro. Uh, they, well, first of all, before I... Before I get into this, I personally am going to be making a, a lot of comparisons to the 1990 original because it is a cult classic for some idiotic reason. Unless it's just Tim Curry's performance, which is enough to make it's, anything a cult classic. I mean, classic. it's 100% that. Yeah. Uh, that, fine, that one I can understand. But it's also, it's in the, the public memory. Everyone knows about, you know, everyone's mostly scared about clowns just because of Tim Curry's performance in there. And I guess the 
underrated 1980 classic uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Of course. But, so I'm going to make my comparisons there, so understand that. And I will try to make as many comparisons as I remember to the original novel. It's like, they did this well, they changed this, this is different, but this is better, this is worse, etc. So... The, the main scene I want to talk about is the opening scene because it matters in each one of them. In the book, uh, little Georgie Dembro, uh, I'm not going to put in the details about like the, the paper boat or whatever. He's outside. He gets you know seduced into a storm drain by Pennywise the dancing clown. And it is very graphic in the original novel. He, he rips off his arm and the kid bleeds to death. And the entire time, I thought it was very poorly done because I was like, well, that's graphic and I guess it's a little bit scary, but Pennywise just, just he's only hungry for an arm. He he doesn't get the entire body. He couldn't do that. It, it was just very, very odd to me. Then you see uh, the 1990 movie and it's one of the most famous scenes because it's just so silly. Uh, Tim Curry immediately is very funny. Everyone says, oh, he's so creepy with his bright smiling face and that storm drain. Look at his eyes. Look at what he does with his eyes. He is verily, he's very clearly kind of being a comedian in that scene. Like when Georgie says, it's like, I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. Tim Curry's like looking off to the side like, ah, oh, you see the crowd I have to deal with today, folks. He's just like, very wise of your dad, Georgie. <laughs> and, and then... He's like, oh, I got all sorts of candies and rides and surprises down here. And balloons, too. And Georgie asked the dumbest question I've ever heard anyone ask before. Do they float? Yeah, they're balloons, dumbass. You know, you're not even allowed down here anymore. Anyway, uh, Curry reacts in a much better way. He, he just kind of goes off. Because he was like, oh, yes, they float. And when you're down here, you float, too. And it's just... It's a very, very idiotic uh, thing, and it's just so over the top. It's honestly, this is the most over the top uh, Tim Curry has ever been. Yes, even more so than he was in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes, even more so than he was in Congo. Oh, uh, how dare you then... name drop Combo. Combo. Congo on my podcast. Oh, man, Jesus I would Christ. totally watch a movie with Tim Curry that's called Combo. <laughs> I hope Bruce Campbell's in that one, too. Watch then you see the 2017 remake. I'm just like, okay, let's see how they do this scene, this most famous scene. What the fuck? This was so intense. That that was, it was. You did put it very well to me when we were texting each other. You said that it's a really good sign that this movie is not going to be your 1990 TV miniseries you grew up with. I mean. I just saw it, so of course, like when I see any movie, I'm instantly way too high on it because I just want to be entertained. Mm-hmm. But I would posit, as I am right now, like that's one of the best opening scenes I've seen in a horror movie in a very long time. When it comes to establishing what you're in for, I I definitely have to agree. Uh, I think it definitely sets. It's it's not about setting the mood because it. I I, I would disagree in the sense that it sets uh, like. The sort of atmosphere for the movie was like, oh man, every kill is going to be like this because every kill is not that brutal, and the movie is not sort of like a, oh, I'm I'm constantly waiting for Pennywise. There were a couple points in the movie where I forgot he existed. I think that was intentional. I think it was a good decision because a lot of the town seems to have forgotten that there were all these murders a while back, and the town remember uh, that one girl uh, got murdered and they literally plastered over her missing poster. 
with someone else. Which was I, a good scene that, until he went, wow, it's like they forgot about her. It's like, all right, movie. Yeah, I, got I, wish, it. I, hadn't, I wish they hadn't spelled it. There's that a couple really of those in this me. movie. That and Finn Wolfhard dicking around in the back, which I'll get to <laughs> later. Uh, but the, the scenes with drama in this movie... I thought those were some of the best scenes. And I would have argued that they were better than the horror scenes, but uh, the horror scenes were actually really well done. This is better than almost any slasher I think I've ever seen. It's it's not quite as good as Psycho, and obviously Halloween's a classic, but honestly, this should be a classic in terms of horror. This should be right up there with Nightmare on Elm Street. And I think there are a lot of comparisons to Nightmare on Elm Street that are, you know, somewhat strong. I mean, besides the poster in the background? I mean... Oh, I didn't even <laughs> notice that. No, you, but I mean, the bathroom scene that. with the blood guys, are that straight out of Elm Street? Well, well, there's there's that too, but I think mostly the idea of a supernatural entity using fear of itself to sort of drive the narrative. I think it really did that well, and in fact, it is a far more interesting use of fear than uh, Freddy Krueger, although Freddy Krueger scenes are... I think a little bit more creative in this case, and certainly more creative than the 1990 version. But uh, this is a movie that is based around characters, and this is something that Stephen King at times will somewhat struggle with, and uh, there's there's one in particular that uh, luckily he avoids in this one, but in the original novel and in the original 1990 miniseries, it's like kind of, oh, hey, there it is again. So this is one of the things that the... uh, that the new one does a little bit better. It changes up things a bit on you. So I, I'd like to go through character by character and uh, mention them and, and talk about them versus the original and talk about how we felt about them in this movie. So we'll start off with Bill Denbro. He's the closest thing we get to a leader of the Losers Club. And I guess it's not all that surprising that he grows up to be an, to be a writer because that's a Stephen King thing. There's got to be a writer in everything he does. Uh, I got to tell you, I prefer Jonathan Brandis to the new kid. His, his name is Jaden Lieberher or something like that. Jonathan Brandis is just so much more charismatic, although J- the new kid's uh, stutter is just way more believable. I, I can't imagine Brandis uh, stuttering. He's It's just very... It, it's a little too, like, try-hard, you know? Uh, whereas Lieberher's is just like... He's, he's trying really hard to do it, and it just works a little bit better. Now, both characters outside of acting... They're presented well, but I think in the new one, he has more time devoted to himself and his search for Georgie. But Brandis, he really only is able to communicate his search for his younger brother in two scenes. And in those two scenes, he's just so much more powerful about how he misses his brother. Whereas this is just like, he can see his brother as a ghost, and uh, he's it's constantly driving the narrative. It's like, I have to search for him. He, maybe he's still alive in these, uh, in these sewers. Honestly... I, it's it's such a shame that Jonathan Brandis killed himself at age 27 because he he probably would have had a good chance to come back and be the adult version of this new character. God, what am I supposed to do with that? You just segued with suicide. <laughs> but I did enjoy how, like, through the entire movie, anytime they saw one of those posters, they talked about the past. One of them would almost slip and say that they all were murdered or they found dead, and they would look at Bill and be like, they went missing. Yeah, that was a really, really good, like, sort of like a subtle move on their part to be like, oh, let's, we, we shouldn't upset him too much or something like that. And it really does come to a certain point and not quite the climax of the movie, but it's it's the it's the conflict that sort of splits them up for a little bit. And, uh, the, you know, I, I think that wasn't a really important thing to do. And what, what 
kind of bugged me as I was like, well, that shouldn't be the most important thing. Although, obviously, you know, losing a younger brother should w would really fuck up a character and make him want to search for that character and, and really drive the narrative. But I, I think there's, like, all the missing children... That's something that would have driven me. I would have been like, man, what's going on with all these missing kids? It's up to us to investigate. Come on, gang. Let's split up. And someone says Zoinks in the background. Well, I like that they made him like the emotional core because my biggest hot take about the kids is you could cut at least two, if not three of them. If you weren't beholden to the book, you could cut this cast in half. Well, there was at least one who I could cut. Uh, I might as well just say him now, because I, I wrote a bunch of notes for this, and my note for him is one sentence. I didn't even compare him to the original. Uh, actually, wait, yeah, I did. It says, Stan sucks, both in this version and in the original. Stan is uh, the Jewish kid. Uh, full stop. There's really nothing much... Uh, he, he happens to be Jewish. It's not interesting um in the original honestly he's even better because he says at least three times that's just logically impossible or something like that he's a group skeptic that's important to have every every group of childhood friends has one like that who doesn't believe in like the local legend of the of the haunted house or something like that and i was like yeah he's a worthless character and honestly he has one of the most embarrassing scenes in the original the, the idea is that every kid has like a central fear or something like that and in the new one, it's so much better. The old one, this is where King's uh, idea really falls apart because it's it's even worse in the book. One of the fears uh, for, for Richie, who I'll get to later, his fear is a werewolf. It's just <laughs> stupid. And it, it gets even worse for Stan. Stan's fear is a mummy. Like, I can't put a, a mummy in a horror movie and actually believe it. Uh, it's just so out there i'm just and you know the way he defeats it he holds his bird book out in front of him oh my god that's just right names all the birds that he could remember and then the mummy's just like oh boy this kid's weird i don't want to eat him and like get some sort of disease it just backs away and the kid's able to run away that's the end of that scene before i forget <laughs> that bird book does bring up one of my problems with pennywise is there's not really any rules to how he works he just kind of shows up as a scary thing and then they go ah and then he disappears like why don't you just kill him that happens oh. a lot in this movie. Oh, well, I... That happens I a lot of him just, like, cornering him, like, oh, it's been ten minutes without a spooky monster, so... Uh, yeah. uh, well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, and this is something that a non-book reader would say, and <laughs> it's I mean, actually... You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's... It's actually a really good question, because it's devoted a single line in the original book. Scaring the kids is what he does, right? He shows up, he kind of spooks him, and then he's just like, uh, well, uh, it's been fun. See you at 4 o'clock on Tuesday. And uh, the kids are like, okay, I'll, you know, see you later. I'll, I'll go talk to my friends about this. The idea is that he's scaring them. It's like salting the meat, I guess. But it's so inconsistent. You know, you, you say it's like there's no rules for it. For example, why does he just just go right for the arm of Georgie Denbro? Why does, uh, there's there's a little girl, and you remember the original, she's the first kill, yeah. and it's really poorly done. He just sort of like lures her in, and then he doesn't scare her, he just eats her. You know, he just like, or kills her or something, I don't know, we never even see the body. Um, that, to me, is just like, again, very inconsistent. At one point in the book, he actually starts talking to uh, the reader. He says, oh, I'm some sort of immortal alien from ancient times, and... 
I like to scare and eat kids. It's it's easy. You might wonder why doesn't he go after the adults? There's more meat on the bone, but n- no. The idea is that he he wants to scare kids because a it's easier to interpret their physical fears, whereas adults are afraid of not paying their bills on time. You know, <laughs> it's hard to manifest my crippling anxiety and depression. Exactly. I'm afraid of drowning by myself with with like sharks around. You know, that's. I mean, how are you going to set that one up? You know. I mean, try this one. Here's a werewolf wearing a Letterman's jacket. Fuck you, kid. <laughs> oh, in the original, uh, the the bullies. You know what they're killed by? Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, didn't he want like all the Universal monsters in that book? I don't read well, things yeah, above he, a third yeah, grade level, so had, I don't know. He had a mummy. He had a werewolf, and he had Frankenstein's monster. I don't think he had a vampire. He did have flying leeches, which I thought that was imaginative, but not as imaginative as everything in here. So uh, I might as well mention this. Uh, Stan's fear is his younger brother. That scene in the this new movie, that's really well done, right? When he goes into his basement and then Pennywise is right next to his brother. Wait, I thought that was... Wait, hold on. I don't remember that at all. Okay, okay, so... Like, I thought Stan remember, was scared of the lady in the painting. Not Stan. I was, uh, no, I was, I was talking about uh, Bill. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay. Uh, never mind. Stutter yeah, Bill, Bill was there. Okay, yeah. That yeah, scene... Sorry. Oh, fucking God, that scene is one of many that hurt my soul. See, that's such... Oh, boy, that really does get me, because that's a scene that's in the, in the book. One of the things that they do, it's also in the first movie and in the new movie, is uh, Georgie has to go downstairs to get... Uh, What's it called? Pepperin or something like that to seal up his boat so it doesn't sink. It's just like, boy, kids in the 60s had, like, the shittiest toys. <laughs> uh, he goes down there and he thinks he sees him. He's a little bit scared of the basement. I'm like, I remember reading, I was like, this is a good scene because, like, I remember my grandma's basement, you know, you go down there without the lights on. It's it's really scary because you can't see anything. And he's like, he thinks he sees something and he runs back upstairs and he never goes back to the basement. And I'm just like fuck was the point of that so i was just like it, it, i felt like a, a fake out scare in the original and in the new one it's not even close to a fake out scare it's just like boy it looks like he's afraid of the basement he can't really see anything the end and uh in this one it's like okay he goes uh, he does it again i was just like boy i would have cut that part and then he goes back to the cellar it's like thank you you need to have a point for all this um See, oh man, the fact that it was flooded, he's seeing his brother and like the clowns right next to him. I was just like, oh, that's really well done. You know, I, that, that was that was really good. I do wish I hadn't seen a lot of these in the trailers, but also those trailers are the reasons why it broke every single record. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Well, I'm, I'm happy that it broke some records. This is a movie that deserves to be more than a cult classic, which I, I hope this ends up being a classic. Except for the fact that people are going to dress up as a new Pennywise. That's going to be dumb. <laughs> Just up as the old one. Tim Curry was better. I'll get to that hot take in a little bit. Um, <laughs> Wait, didn't he just already shit on how Tim Curry wasn't scary? I did. Oh, uh, I love tell takes. Tell you what, you want me to? You want, I'll tell you what, let's skip right to that because he's actually the one I wrote right Fuck after Fuck these Stan. other kids. Oh, yeah. Stan, Stan had a fear. What was? Oh, Stan's fear was uh, he's he's in the synagogue, right? Yeah. And he had just finished reading the Torah and he puts it away. And there's this weird sort of painting of a woman with like a thin face or whatever i thought she killed stan like at the climax when she was just <laughs> yeah i thought he face. was dead as fuck i remember watching this just like every <laughs> i nearly stood up and well actually as loud as possible <laughs> in the like, novel uh, good day sir 
he doesn't die until he's an adult that he kills himself like me i mean <laughs> and is it was just like that would have been a significant change so one last thing on stand before we move on to how useless he is for about the yeah. first hour anytime him and eddie the hypochondriac kid weren't on screen together my brain just combined them oh yeah well that's the thing is in the original stand wasn't that much of a hypochondriac in this one they kind of make him like eddie too and I don't even think he's a Boy Scout in this one. Not that it mattered that he was a Boy Scout in the original, but... I mean, there's just nothing interesting about Stan. Stan's thing is he's Jewish, but Eddie is the most kvetching oive kid I've ever heard in my fucking oh, life. Oh, that's a good point. I so totally I just combine them in my head because I'm, you know, I live in Texas. And that's how my brain works. Well, uh, Jew, really singularity. like that the whole time. But, you know, I'll tell you what, I do want to talk about Pennywise. I, you know, after Bill... Uh, <laughs> Pennywise is one of the main draws of the movie. Obviously, no one's going to go see it for Stan. Um, this is going to be at least a warm take, if not a full-on hot take, but I still prefer Tim Curry to Bill Skarsgård. Now, they're both good performances, so just get that out of the way before I went... You know, Stephen King fans, they get a little bit nuts here. Now, anyone who knows me will find this at least somewhat surprising because I'm vocally and loudly on record as declaring Tim Curry is not even close to scary or creepy in It, but, I mean, again, I, I think he's hysterical. I think he's the best clown since Emmett Kelly. But I don't think that Skarsgård's performance is scary or creepy either. He didn't scare me. The The way that the scares were set up, I, I, I think that's fine. But that didn't involve his acting. Like, the scene where, uh, where Richie walks into a room full of clowns. That's scary. Oh my god. Bill Skarsgård is nowhere to be seen until he opens that coffin. The way he jumps out, that's cool, but that's not acting. That's jumping. Yeah, there's a lot and of sped up running towards the camera more than that I was, care for. That was one of the worst parts. It was, he's like he's shaking and rushes towards the camera. It was so desperate that it was actually kind of funny. Uh, I'll mention something like that in a bit, but honestly, Skarsgård in this was a little bit irritating. Again, I said this earlier, in 1990, whenever Tim Curry isn't on screen, you have like your head in your hands, you're like, where's the clown? And you know, you're just waiting for him to show up. And this time, when Bill Skarsgård is on screen, you're just like, oh, this fucking guy with his teeth, will you get out of here? I want to see how these kids deal with their childhood trauma. You know? I mean, and without it. this feeling of fear, without this, this sense of like, oh no, not the clown, I don't really have any feeling at all for Skarsgård. I, I think he's fine. He does an okay job, but it's just, it, it's wet paper. I, I have no real feeling about it. I, I don't hate him, but I cannot say in good conscience that I like him. And I at least like Tim Curry. At least he's, he, at least he's entertaining and memorable. He just has a better performance. Now, again, the character in the new one is honestly better. It's, and it, this is outside of performance. This you know, it really is important here. It's it's less about acting and more about how he's presented. See, the original Pennywise, you, you talked about this, is that uh, he just wastes a whole lot of time. Like, oh, the really big one for me is that Eddie goes into the showers, right? <laughs> and he's... He, and... Sorry. What was that laugh? No, I just remember well, that wait, scene. This is funny, huh? <laughs> oh, I thought funny. you were going to do, like, a pedophile joke or something. <laughs> I mean... Okay. <laughs> the jokes I said out loud in my apartment in that scene weren't okay and won't be repeated. He's he's in the shower and like all the shower heads are reaching up to him and he's just like, oh no, how do I get away? I was like, just just walk out of there. Tell someone. Tell the plumber or something. And then Tim Curry comes up and he's like reaching through the drain. You're just like, oh no, here comes a scary clown. And he, Tim Curry says, this is a little thin convenient. And I'm just like, 
That's so funny. That's what that word has never been funny. Tim Curry could make the word spooktacular funny, and he opens up this. Great. It looks like this awful stop motion, like it's a California raisins, and he pops up there. He's like. How's it going, Wheezy? And uh, the, the kid's like, oh, no, it's a scary clown. It's like, come tell your friends anytime. And they, then he does, like, the scary thing with the teeth, and then it fades out to adulthood. You're just like, well, how the hell did he get out of there? Did the clown just, like, go away and be like, all right, dude, you know, you're missing out. Balloons. Yeah, you, you compared him to Freddy. Freddy has rules, very specific rules for how he works. And Pennywise mm-hmm. is like, I scared you. I'll see you <laughs> next scene. Yeah, well, again, the, he, I think the... What he's trying to do is, like, it's like salting the meat. But at some point, the meat gets a little too salty. I mean, in a three-hour movie, you could explain that once. Just saying. Well, oh, yeah, that being said, it's like the original was three hours long, but it's it's two parts. This one is a little over two hours, and it's just the first part of the story. And everyone agrees, the much stronger part. And that's why this one's so much better, is they have more time to devote to the kids and their motivation. So they're not just going to spend... Honestly, it's even less than 90 minutes, because most of the first part of the 1990 miniseries is told in flashback. And it's it does like that awful, like, extreme close-up on the people while they, like, remember... <gasps> Derry in May in 1963. Standing there, get a phone call. It's me. <gasps> From Derry, <laughs> slow zoom, flashback. I remember Repeat. getting my ass kicked by Henry Bowers. <laughs> now, I, I mentioned at the beginning, there are spoilers. So again, if you didn't listen to me, you're like, I'm not going to go see the Scary Clown movie. Then, look, I'm about to give away something really important here. The ending is one of the better endings I've ever seen in a horror movie. Uh the, the, the scene where they're all kicking his ass, Pennywise, I yeah. mean, not Stan. The, the scene where he's, like, taking the forms of all the different kinds of theories, A, closer to the climax of the book, and I think, like, the very end of the book, which is not just a giant spider. It's supposed to be, like, sort of, like, an implied they're seeing something different. And really, they just do such a better job of it. it and my friend reminded me, it's it's kind of like the Boggart in uh, Harry Potter, where it takes on the form of all their fears. Well, you bring it up a bunch of the book stuff helped, because I was watching that finale, I'm like... Is that a fucking mummy head? What is what is this? I, I think that was only in there very briefly, but the scene yeah. where he transformed into Beverly Marsh's uh, father, I was like, hey, that's that's a great idea. That's so much better than just like, oh, she's afraid of blood, because I thought that would have been like a sort of sort of like a pseudo carry reference, you know? Where I, I felt like when I was reading it, it was just like she's afraid of blood. I was like, that kind of seems like he's trying to ride his uh, his carry train a little bit further than that train will go. And that happens a lot. Um, There's a lot of bleed over when you do heroic amounts of cocaine. Oh, well, that's Just definitely true. So I mean, much. That dude made maximum overdrive. I mean, I don't think anyone else has ever done that much cocaine. That trailer will never not be funny with his coke addled insane eyes. I'm going to scare, I'm gonna the, scare hell the hell out of you. <laughs> Looking into your oh, that soul. fucking guy. Look forward well, to that is... episode in the future. Oh man, I'm so ready. Emilio Estevez and the soundtrack by ACDC. <laughs> What's better than one ACDC song? 20. <laughs> <laughs> oh my who god. Who? Great. <laughs> Fucking kill me. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm just trying not to think about that woman's performance and she's like, we made them! <laughs> uh, <laughs> there, there was a scene, now... I don't know, you, you remember pretty easily the climax of part one in the 1990 miniseries, right? Because that's pretty much how the original book goes. It's a slingshot in the head, right? Yeah, they, they all go down the sewer, she shoots him with a slingshot and stuff. This is a lot better in the movie now. I will say this, I was sitting there with like my 
my head was just resting on my thumb and forefinger. I was watching it, and you see like that tower that he has constructed in the sewer of like all this really just stuff, yeah. and there are the bodies literally floating around. And I said out loud, audible for everyone to see, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. I've thought on it more, and I'd like to apologize to the patrons of Alamo Draft House in Reston, Virginia, because or Ashburn, Virginia, because that's not the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's honestly better than the original, because in the original, you never really see those bodies. You, you, at one point, uh, when, when one of the lasting quotes from it is, "It floats," or "They all float down here." In the original, that's just a reference to A, he's talking about the boat with Georgie Denbro. It's like, it floats. And then he he keeps repeating it, you know. And it's just like, oh, I'll teach you how to float. And it's like, with the balloons that float. And it's just like, that's not scary at all. But in the book, it also referenced, like, bodies float when when, when they're, you know, they're dead because they blowed up with gas and stuff. And it's, it's, it's just really kind of tedious it's not a very good uh, scary thing in here they're literally floating around and it, you start to wonder like wait what the hell is going on here is this still a horror movie no it's not a horror movie at that point at that point it becomes a bit more of a science fiction story that's when i realized pennywise is definitely an alien this is some sort of like alien ritual sort of thing that's interesting that is really interesting and it's so much better than what they do in the 1990 miniseries and honestly a lot better than what they do in the book i'm glad they put it in i didn't mind the tower because i was like it was like a visual of just how many fucking people have been murdered over the hundreds and hundreds of years without getting yep. caught up in the 14 scenes of the black kid going through the book guys and then there was this mining accident but then these settlers disappeared i got it yeah <laughs> show don't tell yeah that that's pretty important now one of the things I, I said I didn't like so much about uh, Bill Skarsgård is that he's not really funny. There's a couple points where it looks like he's trying to be funny, and it, it doesn't work. Like, the scene where he worked with a contortionist to sort of put himself into that uh, closet. Oh, my God. I was just like... Oh. The scene where he's, like, twisting his body around, and it's just like, oh, well, he is certainly very tall. You think he's, like, six foot four? Uh, which is, by the way, kind of funny. It's like as tall as uh, Tim Curry looks. He's only five nine. That's how you act tall. <laughs> um, well, he's acting around children. Well, no. Even when like they see him, like uh, when the adults are seeing him, it's it's largely like they're shooting him when he's like up high. All right, Tim, you go like upstairs. <laughs> we'll film from yeah. your feet. <laughs> yeah. So he still looks tall. I remember Andy Dick says he looks like he's ninety feet tall or something <laughs> like that. Fucking Andy Dick was one of the worst parts of that. Um, I looked into its deadlights and I wanted to be there. It's like, that doesn't really sound that good. <laughs> so, um, it, again, it's it's a bit more science fiction-y, but again, I don't find any humor in Skarsgård. And that hurts. Like, I think the the part where he was trying to be funny is where he explodes out of that Pennywise the Dancing Clown thing. He starts doing that dance. Well, that that was awful. Stare. Yeah, I didn't oh, appreciate God, it. Oh, God, I hated it that dance so and a friend said uh a friend whose opinion i respect said that was one of his favorite parts of the movie and he laughed really hard i was just like really that was funny to you because for me it reminds me of the mad hatter's dance after they killed the uh i don't know the blue goldthorpe or whatever in the new alice in wonderland that tim burton version uh you're on your own with that one friend you didn't you didn't watch it oh good somehow it's a terrible terrible movie uh i don't watch every costs. garbage movie just most of them 
Yeah, Johnny Depp does some sort of stupid dance, and it's largely CGI. He turns his head around and stuff. It's oh, like great. It it is so humiliating. I remember watching in theater and just like right, I gotta walk out of here. You know, and it's it's only like a couple seconds long too. But even then, you're just like, Ugh. anyway, this dance is not all that different, except it's not CGI. He's just doing a stupid dance. And I'm like, God, can you imagine Bill Skarsgård actually doing this on camera? Because everything else he does, he's shot really well. Like the the cameras and the lighting is honestly a lot better than the original. Remember in in the first 1990 version where it's like bright daylight out when it's raining. <laughs> I do. He's just. <laughs> that's one of the things. Like, oh, I'm so creeped out by the clown. He's like, he is so obvious, though. He's like, boy, that's that's a clown right there. Whereas with this one, it's just like sometimes it's kind of hard to see him, and that's a whole lot scarier when he's in the shadows. Can I just use that you know? segue apropos of nothing? That I love that almost every single scare scene happens in broad fucking daylight with other people around. Yeah. So oh, you boy. never ever feel safe. Like, oh, it's the middle of the day in a school. We'll be fine. The librarian's writing up. Nope. Yeah. Uh, I I will say the one where he's in broad daylight. Uh, I didn't quite get it. Was where he's uh, he's in front of that house and all those balloons are around him, but they're perfectly organized in like an upside down triangle or something like that. I was like, boy, that is interesting, you know. And he's he's just done a whole lot better uh, in that scene with Eddie. Uh, who? Tell you what, let's talk about Eddie because I like Eddie. Actually, uh, can I back you up real quick? Can I ask you one question about Skarsgård? Yeah, go ahead. Did you notice his eyes? Yeah, I, I could see he was... It made uh, me so uncomfortable every fucking time, how they what, were off center. Yeah, my friend pointed out, she was just like, oh, he's got a lazy eye. I was just like, no, that's that's intentional. He can do that on his own. Every time he was just looking to the camera, it just got under my skin because I am a giant baby. Yeah, they, they were doing that on purpose. Like, one I would be looking at the character and one I would be uh, looking at the camera. And you could tell it's intentional. His eyes aren't normally like that because there are scenes where he's just looking dead into the camera with both eyes. <laughs> Have I mentioned I don't like clowns? Uh, I, I don't think you've mentioned it uh, yet, but... Uh, it does a lot of the work for me. You know, my mom never liked clowns, too, and I remember... Uh, I, I watched the original uh, 1990 miniseries of it first. And I was just like, really, Mom? You're scared of this? And I think we watched it together, and uh, I was making so many jokes that she was she was kind of laughing throughout the whole thing. And at the end, she said, no, you know, I still don't like clowns, you know? And then she was like, you, you should read the book. The book's really good. And I was reading it, and I was just bored, bored, bored. And then it got to that scene. Hell yeah. And I, I think that was, like, the most disgusted I had ever been in my life. I was like, Mom what is this? How, how could anyone possibly defend it? She's like, what are you talking about? And I, I like read her the scene. She's like, Oh, I didn't even remember that. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's what most fans of the book do. Cause it is like a thousand pages long. You can't remember everything, which you, people will notice when I start to like get stuff wrong for the book. It's like, yeah, I think it was like this. The book is always going to be like, Stephen King's going to call me up and be like, you idiot. <laughs> Please don't disparage my work. If you're not going to take it seriously. Thanks. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to. I, I, I said Eddie would be next. Let's let's go on to him. Honestly, I I do really like him, not just as a character. I liked him somewhat in the original too, but this is the one where I thought the new actor is so much better than the old actor. That kid who plays Eddie, holy shit, this kid is on fire. Uh, his name is uh, a is a uh, Jack Dylan Grazer, I believe. And the original was Adam Faraisal, and he's he's good enough. He's Honestly, he's just better at being small. Like, every every group of friends has, like, the really small kid, you know? He's just, like, 
Oh, uh, well, he's not really big enough to play uh, softball with us or something like that. Or he's, he's not fast enough to make the soccer team. But uh, this kid is, he has a character beyond being like, well, he's short. Uh, this kid's like, like you said, the perfect hypochondriac. Uh, and there's this idiotic belief in society that hypochondriacs are like whims and wusses and they have to be portrayed as such. Jack Dylan Gracer's performance just bucks that trend. It's one of the stronger, better characters in the Losers Club. If it weren't for Bill... I could seriously make like a strong argument that Eddie would be the next in line to be their leader. Like, it's, I mean, the character is better too. Like, there's more time to portray what it's like, you know, going into the pharmacy and all that other stuff. But honestly, what it comes down to is the performance. Can I say, I do love the change they did with his mom from the original? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, both characters, I just. It's like I know I'm supposed to hate them. Like it's it's very clearly portrayed as like oh what a what an awful mom. But uh, I remember just both of them. I just hate so. And honestly, I hated the original mom a little bit more. Uh, This mom at least has a semblance of humanity. You can sort of understand why she's doing what she's doing. You know, like she has uh what's it was a Munchausen syndrome or something like that. Uh yeah, and she's very obviously trying to control him and. Oh my god, does he not have the best line in the entire movie? He sure fucking does. Oh my god, what he yells, These are gazebos! I was I was laughing so bullshit. hard. Oh man. Oh, good movie. That, 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 honestly, that's one of the things that makes the movie worth watching. Even if, even if they have a fear of clowns, please try to bear with it just for the gazebos line. Oh my god. <laughs> the line we ruined for you. Uh, also, uh... A little, little aside here, just because I remember the scene, it, it really does bug me, is uh, one of the things that I think Stephen King really struggles with is writing bullies. Like like we said at one point, boy, this guy's had a run-in with greasers. Uh, apparently, the bullies that Stephen King encountered, he never really got to know them or never saw them uh, outside of school or something like that, because bullies act that way for a reason. It's not just like, oh, trouble's at home. You know, not just like, oh, they're psychotic. Sometimes bullies, bullies are just trying to get a laugh, or sometimes they're just trying to impress their friends. There is a bully in this movie who, as far as I can tell, has no soul. It's not Henry Bowers. It's that girl at the pharmacy who writes Loser on his cast. She is what was the, the most point vile of human being in this movie. Exactly. I'll, I'll well, first well maybe second to Beverly's dad, but close. Uh, which I'll get to him in a second. I, I even wrote up something about him. I had to write... I made him his own character, just because he's so significant. But uh, first of all, before I get any further about this girl, whose name... I don't even think she has a name, right? If she does, I don't care. Uh, Eddie's change to his uh, to his cast, that cracked me up. <laughs> <laughs> Writing lover over loser? That's, that's funny. Uh, which, first of all, shitting on a kid with a broken arm and an asthma problem, or even if it's an imagined asthma problem, uh, for, for saying he has no signatures on his cast, no one signed my cast when I broke my hand because I didn't want anyone to sign my cast. Like, come on, I don't have time for this. Um, but this girl, she's also at the beginning of the movie, right? And she, oh, what she does to Beverly in the girl's bathroom. Oh my god, that is her. Fuck. I forgot all about that. Oh, wait, you thought she she just had that one scene in the pharmacy? <laughs> Look, the first half hour, I was white-knuckling like, what's oh, this yeah. movie going to be, guys? Kill, you're just <laughs> Especially like... after that opening scene, I was, I was on alert. After that opening kill, I was like, when, the, when that one bully goes into the sewer with a makeshift flamethrower, I was just like, 
oh, this dude's going to get murked so hard. <laughs> then he runs into the zombies. I was just like, really? Zombies in a Stephen King? Guys, yeah. are you watching the right movie? Yeah, there were a couple like that in The Leper. I was like, eh. That leper looks oh, The Leper didn't scare me at all. No, That's, that was really Ed, Eddie's, Yeah, I might as well mention it. Eddie's Big Fear is a leper, which makes sense. This is one that was actually in the book and wasn't in the 1990 miniseries. I don't know why they cut it. They He sh- should have been in there. You know, as opposed to Tim Curry come through I a storm train saying, this is a little thin convenient. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas the leper, leper in this movie, boy, he, he looks good, but uh, he, he's, he's just a leper. So. Yeah, some straight up, like, are you afraid of the dark shit? Like, that, that doesn't yeah. go in an R-rated horror movie. Yeah, I, I think if I was a kid, I would have been pretty scared. But then again, if I was a kid, I would have been on the floor after that opening scene. Oh, if if any child sees this movie, it will it will haunt I mean, you in a way you can't it, possibly imagine. I mean, I'm telling you, the first eight minutes, those kids are going to run screaming from the theater. Like, I remember when I was a kid, like, all the kids would rent, like, R-rated movies, and I'd be like, you're not allowed to do that. That's your rated R. You're not 17 yet. They're like, oh, no, we're real hardcore, because we're watching fucking, like, Army of Darkness is rated R, you know? <laughs> Oh yeah, we're real hardcore watching Army of Darkness, or or like, uh, what's what's an R-rated one where it's not even that bad? Like, uh, honestly, Halloween is not that gory. No, you not know? at all. It's it's scary, sure, but it's not really gory. You can barely even see the kills. Oh yeah, we're really hardcore now. You know, it's it's really just like oh yeah, we we got to see a couple bare tits in a movie. You know, hey, that's a victory um, in the early '90s, my friend. Don't you well, take I, those I'm medals sure, away from me? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it was. Uh, but in this one, it's uh, this is a movie that immediately says, no, R is for adults only. And uh, it's the first eight minutes that does it. If you can get past that, you can get past the rest of the movie. As a uh, former fat child who would watch horror movies with his thumb firmly on the last channel button when things got too scary, that first eight minutes would have broken me entirely. Oh, yeah, that, that would have that would have fucked me up for probably the rest of my would life. Would not finish the movie until I probably hit my 20s just because of the lasting trauma. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, speaking of fat kids. Uh, Hell yeah, me, um, my boy Chuck. Let's go, let's go on to uh, Ben Hanscom. Uh, this is, you're gonna hate this. This is gonna be one of the hotter takes as far as characters. I prefer the original. I prefer Brandon Crane over Jeremy Ray Taylor. Now, Jeremy Ray Taylor is the actor in the new one. He does a very good job. This, uh, my my friend who I watched this, she said, "Oh, he's so adorable." You know, it's just like. I guess, and he, he does about as good of a job as he can, but you you did put this best to me in a, in a text, it's like, he has a little too much going on, he's the one with the book Mike is supposed to be the one with the book, and they do that for a reason, because that way he he kind of has like a reason to be with them, outside of seeing you know the car- the scary killer clown in town but uh, it's like uh, he just sits in, in the library all day and reads his book, it's like, I get it, he's supposed to be a very lonely character it, like really really lonely like lonely is his sort of default attitude he didn't know anything outside of life before he met these groups of friends you know but now it's like he has a little much going on like they added the whole new kids on the block thing for him <laughs> and before he didn't have that but but now it's just like okay that's good but then they give him the book and it's like he's the one who's like sort of like telling the story and the history and everything like that i was like oh that's too much yeah my hot take is she found out he wrote the poem and still went with the skinny, good-looking kid. Fuck you, Bev. <laughs> Fuck this movie. It's garbage and I hate it. Oh, I'm, I'm he sorry. He poured his well, little fat heart out on that note and it I'm spoke telling- to her. It cut through all the garbage in her life and she's still just like, sorry, fat tits. She didn't choose him. Bill went up to her and kissed her. 
<laughs> Sorry. I just remember the bully yell, come here, tits, as they chased them down. <laughs> and then they started carving with a switchblade because because fucking greasers are a thing in Stephen King's yeah. life that he will never, ever, ever get over. Which is weird because this movie takes place in 1989. So. Yeah, just get rid of the jacket and give him a mullet. Same thing. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, which, by the way, that kid was... That kid was born to play a bully, wasn't he? With like his nose. As soon as I saw his nose, I was like, oh, that kid was... He, he's got to be a bully in real life, you know? <laughs> um, anyway, uh, back to Ben for a little bit. Ben in the original was so good. When I see Ben in the original, again, the fact in case I forgot what I'm talking about here, he it, it's what he does with his voice and his face and his and his like his eyes. Like he has this sort of like a look to him that I swear I've seen it before. Like I've coached kids, like there's a kid I've coached who's a lot like him, especially when he gets really upset about living in Derry. I have seen that face before, you know? And that's not an easy face to affect and uh where where he gets upset when his uh cousin steals his uh poem that he wrote to beverly and when he when he's in the theater uh not in the theater when he's in the classroom talking about oh i I just moved to Derry and i don't have a lot of new friends because i'm new here and uh, the teacher's like sit down he he says something that a kid would say the exact cadence he says thank you miss kirsch or something like that and it's like he says it perfectly None of the other kids in either movie say it quite that way. And I, I just, I think he is just so good in the original. Now, there is one scene. His character in this one, even though he has a little too much going on, he does have a very pivotal scene that I think is honestly one of the five best scenes in the movie, even though it's kind of a small one. See if you remember it. Do you remember when he's getting carved up by Henry Bowers? Oh, I sure do remember the car passing by because <laughs> my Eggs, thank butthole you. tightened thank up. I have another that, scene involving him we're going to talk about later. Okay. That you might not uh, have noticed. Okay, I, I, we'll get to that one. But the car driving by is so significant, especially if you uh, if you read the book and take the original seriously, which you shouldn't. Uh, it's it's I, That wasn't a butthole-tightening moment for me. It, that was all symbolism right there. The car drives past. The, the people never help him, and that uh, balloon is in the back. That doesn't just symbolize, oh, it is nearby. That, to me, was really putting forth the theory that the whole town is, in some way, it. That uh, it's, it, it is a story that's far more than just, oh, a scary killer clown alien decided to eat some kids one day. It's, it's about, you know, how adults are turning away from the dangers to children, you know? And, you know, that scene, to me, just made it just so much more powerful. It, it gave the story meaning. It's... It, Honestly, that goes up there with some of the best scenes in Star Wars. Some of the best scenes in in, in any movie. Okay, okay. Oh. It because you know, it, it's it's I'm it's one of the scenes that should be iconic. I mean, you want to bring Star Wars in this? We can talk about iconic moments, sir. Not well, well, like well, like Han shooting Greedo second. <laughs> this podcast is over. <laughs> oh, I had to I had to wait on that one. Anyway, uh. One last thing for me about Ben, and then I'll move on, is that there you did mention like there's a sort of love triangle between him, Bill, and Bev. Although it seems as though Bill has no idea that Ben's even there. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, I have to admit, I've, I've been in that situation before, as as both Bill and Ben. Um, I'm just, you know, oh fuck you! I was just staring at Ben like I know it doesn't get better. I know. <laughs> well, it does. You didn't see part two of the original miniseries. He turned to John Ritter. Whoop-dee-shit. 
Yeah, but he also gets Bev. It took him 40 years, but still. <laughs> that scene where they're all just hanging out after eating Chinese food and he's just rubbing her shoulders all weirdly. Well, I, honestly, I think at that point everyone was kind of all over Bev. They she just took really turns massaging her. Yeah, I think that was like their own little thing. It's like, well, we can't have that scene in this movie, so let's just make everyone be all over her. <laughs> let's take turns I mean, massaging I mean, her, and then he'll say he's a virgin. Yeah, but, I mean, come on. She's just with, like, every single guy. She's easier to get into than an art school. Ugh. Boo. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't even like that. I'll probably cut it. You better not. Live, live in your shame. <laughs> okay. Uh, but in the original, that love triangle is done with looks. It is all done with, uh, you know, Bev gets the uh, postcard and she reads it and uh, Ben never owns up to it, uh, it at first. And she just has this look at Bill as he's walking away. And that look is just, wow. That's just like, oh my God, you can tell immediately what she's thinking, what she's feeling. And this one, the, the new Bev can't quite do that as well. Um, and when she finally figures out that Ben wrote the postcard, it's just, That's, the look on her face is nothing. It's just blank. It's just like, oh, thanks that, for waking me up from my eternal slumber. That whole scene with that kiss waking her up is a real... Okay, whatever. Yeah, that that was like in Pokemon, the first movie. You know, the tears Pikachu, on Pikachu. crying had more of an effect on me than that moment. Yeah, that... Pikachu was so fucking sad. I cried. Uh, well, What's up? Pokemon aren't real. Anyway. uh, What the fuck? Your feelings aren't real. (laughs) Don't ever talk to me again. So what was the the scene with Ben you wanted to talk about? Um, It actually loops into like my whole big thing with the movie as a whole. It was a horrible sentence. But the point is, so walking out, I was like, that had some really good scares. I enjoyed it a lot. But something isn't sitting right. And I wish I'd thought of this point myself, but I'll just be honest. I watched the Red Letter Media Review, and they... They got it perfectly. Almost every single scene is just a jump scare. There's no, like, slow, creeping dread. It's almost all loud noise clown jumps up. Oh, uh, you're right about the loud noise. Oh, fucking loud noises. I thought it was a theater at first, because this, this movie was louder than Dunkirk. That takes a lot. Dunkirk, I thought, was the loudest movie I've ever seen. Then he had this one. In, in other movies, that loud thing, well, that's what makes you jump. But then the, the the sound keeps going. It's like, I'm not jumping anymore. I'm kind of like, would you guys knock it off over there in the booth? It's just so loud. Like, the clouds getting closer and closer. It's just loud and loud and loud. And just yeah. like, oh, would you knock it off? You don't need to right. turn the shrieking up. The clown's already there. Like, I got it. Yeah, exactly. And it keeps doing that. Or, or like the the weird woman with your, with a weird face who chomps on Stan as if we care. It's... Yeah. It's like, okay, it's really loud. I get it. Which, okay, I, I understand that they're jump scares, but the jump scares, I think, are set up well, you know? And not just oh, yeah. like, oh, he pops out of this, he pops out of that. I, I think there's a couple moments where you feel creeping dread. Uh, think about this one. Remember the clown room? Oh, trust me. I haven't stopped thinking of it. As soon as you walk into that, cl- I remember as soon as he walks into the room and they're all covered up with a, with a white clothes, with a white towels, I was just like, yeah, get out, 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 get out. And uh, he's just like looking around. So I was like, I wouldn't go in that room. And, uh, you know, as soon as he turns away, he, all the towels come off. And it's just covered in clouds. I, was, I nearly stood up and applauded. I was like, that's really good, you know? Oh, my friend tried to do a mirror collapse at the end of the movie. I nearly walked out on her. Oh, so. yikes. <laughs> I actually, like, held her hands up. I was like, no, 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 no. We don't do that. But I'm not I'm not 
disparaging it because it's mostly jump scares. Because when I watch horror movies with friends, it's not like, all right, guys, let's grab some beers and watch The Witch. Like, we're watching something like Insidious that's all jump scares, so we all scream like children. I, I, I don't know that it's... I, I, I just don't know if I agree with the assertion that it's all jump scares. The, the, again, the opening scene, that's not a jump scare. True. But it's, the it, one scene... It's not, a, it's not a creeping dread, though. I wish it was. It's definitely not creeping dread. Out of this two-hour movie, the one scene I've thought about the most since seeing it is something that a lot of people probably didn't see. But honestly, it's so fucking in the background. Do you remember when he's in the library flipping through the book? Yeah. And it, it keeps zooming in on the tree. Yeah. When he first opens the book, you know, there's people in the background. He opens the book, and there's a librarian who's just standing there. He flips through a couple of pages. It goes to a fucking... To a different shot where you can see him and the people in the background. And she's standing all hunched over, just like Pennywise does. And she's just staring, not moving. Cuts back to the book. He flips through more pages of the trees. Cuts back. She's even closer, still hunched over. And then he gets to that page, and then nothing happens. She's never on screen again. And it fucked with my whole goddamn day. Oh, congratulations. You noticed something I definitely did not notice. Like, that, to me, did more than almost any jump scare. If the movie had half as many jump scares and more things like that, it would be like an all-timer for me. Yeah, you know, boy, I'm really I'm bugged that I didn't get that. You know, one of the scenes for me that was really small that I don't think anyone else has mentioned was, um, I think it was in the, um, the slideshow scene, like, before he literally jumps out of the screen and a giant killer clown is in their garage. <laughs> yeah, that was, a that was weird. Uh, well, it's actually better than they did the original. Like, I want to say, oh, I just wish it was more subtle. The original is just, like, literally only his hand comes out. And Tim Curry just goes up to the screen and is like, I'll kill you all. I'll drive you insane. I'll be every worst nightmare you've ever had. I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> and then that Mickey Mouse glove comes out of the it's book. It's a literal Mickey Mouse glove. And <laughs> the thing is, like, if he said something to me like that, I would have closed the book. I would have been like, I get enough of this at home. Thank you. Close <laughs> it. Um, but in, before that, they're, like, flipping through some of the pictures and stuff. And they see it's, like one of those like 1700s kind of photos you know where like the paper is literally colored sepia and the ink is black and you're like look at it and there's pennywise in a crowd shot it sort of zooms in on his face and he's he's sort of like glaring at the camera sort of thing and you're just like i to me it's like it i always had a little bit of trouble buying that because it makes the case that pennywise the dancing clown has existed for well more than 200 years, which would put this at like 1760 is when Pennywise the Dancing Clown came out. Clowns didn't start wearing that sort of apparel until like the 1900s, if I recall correctly. I'm not like a clown scholar here, but you gotta admit, he'd look really out of place in like uh, the the first con- Congressional Congress in Philadelphia, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, but even then, he'd look, he'd look out of place on the streets or even in a circus, which it, clowns have existed for like as long as people have wanted to be entertained. But this, it, it just, it, they didn't dress that way. It, but this one, it, it looked like he blended in there and it made the case that he maybe he didn't exist in that form, but the kids can see him, and it's a subtle way to scare them. And I thought that was a, that was a really good scene. But you're right; most of the scares are jump scares. But I think part of it, part of it, is really banking on that first scare, sort of setting up the attitude that um, you know most of the kills are going to be like that, or you know when when Pennywise appears, shit's going to go down, like when it kills the bully or something like that. And 
some of the scares aren't so much jump scares, but they are like, uh, you know, it's a gruesome sight, which is what the first one was. It's a very gruesome sight, not quite torture porn, but like uh, the kids open up that door in the house and they see the girl with half her body gone. You know, yeah, that, that, that seems so scene. out of place. It did, especially like a Rich's literal haunted house. Just oh, let's open the door. Booga, booga, booga. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, that. Oh yeah, that and the tar. Remember the tar was like going yeah, towards him. That was it. Was like, huh? That's yeah. supposed to be scary, right? Like you take out the literal haunted house that doesn't look like any real house that's ever existed ever in the world, and put in more like creepy psychological things in the background better movie imo i yeah but uh, one of the ones that keeps getting to me is i i know i keep mentioning this but silent hill has still done horror better than any other you know work of art that i've ever encountered and it's very much the japanese horror it's the, the you know the, the creeping dread the feeling of loneliness it's hard to feel alone when you get six other friends in this movie and they they do a lot of things really well what there's a moment in the second game where it's not really a spoiler because it's like you have to kind of look closely in order to realize that your main character is going through an apartment and he finds a dead body in front of a TV and he's like oh who could have done this if you look really closely at that dead body if you like <clears throat> kind of like glitch it around so you can actually get a view of the dead body that's your character's dead body they, they nope. put it in there like that and I'm like nope. that's, that's a really cool scene and uh, there there's a, a part where like he somehow finds this like a cemetery and he finds a gravestone with his name on it and that's like the typical sort of like ghost story sort of thing but it reminds me of a scene again in the it's called for what it is the haunted house where Richie finds a wanted poster with his face and name on it and then calls attention to it and then freaks out about it because it's a wanted poster yeah, with his just name like on it have it on the door don't have them literally screaming at the top of their lungs that's me am i like, missing am i missing yeah we got it yeah it should have been really subtle there's another problem with with that that i, I keep thinking about it was, it was uh uh it was the tv they, they showed the same tv show twice remember i thought it was really funny the first time the, and then it they... was it was really funny because it was so subtle in the first one it's like christian straight up says it, it's a lot of fun in the sewer you know, it's like, I think the volume was just a little bit too loud there. If they had just turned it down a bit, made it really subtle, so you actually had to listen to the movie to hear her say that, that would have been really cool. And then you get to, like, the, for the bully scene, I was just like, oh, so uh, subtlety is not really what we're going for here. It's like, why is this so, like, why can't it be subtle? Why is it so broad? Oh, because it broke every horror movie record ever. That's why you play it broad, I guess. Yeah, I guess, but still. I, I guess making a gorillion dollars. That'll do it. Well, you know, maybe they'll have enough money to make the chapter two not completely shit. So, so that. am I alone on this that like this stands on its own so well? I I really don't care about chapter two. We don't need it. Yes, you, you're you're not you're not you're not alone. You're not alone. I I, I think this is enough of a classic that uh, people should talk about this. This is a movie worth talking about. You know, it's it's one of the better horror movies I think I've ever seen. But, I mean, I know you've seen a hell of a lot more than me. You've probably this probably isn't even in your top ten horror movies, but this is this is really good. I mean, they, they do so many things so well. And when I think about my favorite horror movies, I don't have a whole lot. And this is one where I'd say, yeah, this one actually scared me a couple times. You know, uh, it, just because like some of the atmosphere. But I, I will say this: I gotta see part two. I, I, I just got I, I just got to see it. And part of it is just like I, I just hope they do a better job than the book in the 1990 miniseries did, because oh 
boy, that was not a whole lot of fun to watch. And that being said, I, it's it's going to be really hard. This is a challenge. It really is a challenge because uh, the book has some good ideas, but I just think it's just written so poorly. And I mean, some of the prose there just isn't very good, uh, especially like, well, I might as well get to it now. I've been calling Pennywise an alien, and that's what he is. Uh, stop me, uh, Parker, if this gets a little bit confusing. This is a little bit like talking about the Transformers story. There exists a void between our universe and other universes called the Macroverse. This, oh, these were created by a turtle who threw up oh, the universe God. one day because he had a bellyache. And there's also uh, an, an ancient old uh, alien who, who crash lands on Earth and sure. because he used to live in the Macroverse. No, he used to uh -huh. live in another universe and went to the Macroverse and went to our universe and sick, lives in Dairy Maine. Cool. And oh, yeah. uh, then he eats kids because he's easier to eat. Yeah, because he's eating dairy kids. Yeah. Fuck you. There we go, breathing in that old dairy air. And, uh, oh, you cocksucker. I just stole it right from the 1990 series. I was like, I'm glad Stephen King made that joke before I did. Um, anyway, he does all that. And you know the worst part about all that? The worst part is when they actually explain straight up that uh, that uh, Stephen King uh, had a, a tortoise throw up the universe because he says... Oh, I made the universe, son, but don't blame me. I had a bellyache, and I was just like, as when I was reading that, I was just like, oh. this is this is honestly one of the worst things I've ever read in my life. Hey, maybe don't do cocaine. Well, you know, that's the thing is Stephen King stories are sometimes a lot better when there's something simpler going on, and that's that's what I want to get to here. Simplicity sometimes it's just so much better here. You can say a whole lot with one simple line. Mm -hmm. I have, agree. Have you ever read the book Flying High? Don't Google um, it. Don't Google it. Which uh, Fly, which Dark Tower book is that? Flying High is not a Dark Tower book. It's it's not even by Stephen King. This was written by Julian Edelman after they won oh, Super Bowl Fifty One after coming back twenty eight to three. Flying Jesus High is a children's book Christ. about a little squirrel with red hands. That's awesome. Oh my he god. He wants to play football, but he's so small. And there's an owl. That's uh, he's the coach of the team. He's very wise and says you need to do your job. And I can't do this anymore. You cannot be fucking plays, serious. You do not just do your also job, a goat mate. Who plays? Uh, oh fuck your face! Says, you know, if you fuck your hard, goddamn you face and mouth. Anything that you want. Oh my god! But when the squirrel goes out for the team, fucking he's so small that everyone makes goat. fun of him and he, they won't let him play balls. football. And there's a line in there that says, Let's hear "The it. squirrel had never been so sad in his whole life." And I was like, that is such a powerful line. I remember yeah, if, I was, I feel you. if I was reading to kids there, that, that would have been such a more powerful line. So and sad, honestly, they found Bullwinkle and everything was okay. <laughs> fuck. That was, uh, anyway, I bring that up because that line is better than almost everything in Stephen King's It. There's a whole lot of, oh my God, <laughs> would you get to the point already? It's, there, there's a whole lot of complications. Uh, there's a character that's just completely excised from both the miniseries and the movie called Patrick Hostetter. Have you heard about Patrick? I feel like this is a trick question, but no, uh, I have not. Okay. He was cut for a very good reason. We're not going to talk about Patrick Hostetter, uh, but that's that's a part of the book that had to be cut because, I mean, there's no reason for a character like that to even be part of the story. It's, it's really, honestly, very distracting. But if you want to talk about uh, a character that uh, was a bit distracting in this movie... I gotta talk about Richie Tozier, the uh, comedian of the group. Uh, 
In the new one, he's played by everyone's favorite, Finn Wolfhard. Uh, by the way, little side here, great porn name. Uh, who pretty, were, he top ten. Yeah, easily. it has to be. He's uh, very obviously the kid from Stranger Things. Did you watch Stranger Things? Look at me. Of course I did. Thank that was God. made for me. I, I was I was, I was, was honestly a little bit worried I mean, that you hadn't seen it yet. I wrote his name as Stranger Things Kid. Come on now. Uh, that's what I was calling him for almost the entire thing. I had to look it up when I got home. I, I don't commit those things to uh, memory. This is, this is going to be another hot take. I 100% prefer Seth Green to Finn Wolfhard. Seth Green. I don't prefer Seth Green to literally anything. I okay. Th- let me kind of explain. <laughs> it. It's not just because honestly, Seth Green is a much better character in the original. Seth Green is just a much much funnier person than Finn Wolfhard is, and I'm not just saying that based on Green's complete body of work. It's not like I looked at Austin Powers and said, "Oh yeah, Seth Green's just a funnier guy here." And I'm not even talking about like Finn Wolfhard's like really compelling straight man performance in Stranger Things, like. If you've watched Finn Wolfhard in his interviews, he's just like his character in Stranger Things. They're pretty much like carbon copies. He's just kind of shy, but wants to do the right thing, and very clean. So you put him in this movie, uh, saying these extremely obscene uh, lines, and making these really... He's really working blue with most of his jokes. Uh, I don't have anything wrong with that on its face. I had all my friends uh, joked around like that, and... For some reason, it was funnier when my friends did it. And here, it was just irritating. I was just completely on everyone's side when they told him to shut the fuck up. Every single time, I was like, thank you. Fuck this kid. I I was like, I don't really know why they're friends with Richie. He's really he's really quite obnoxious. In the original, it's obvious why they're friends with uh, Seth Green. He's really charismatic. He's, he is a genuinely funny person. He's the sort of person who could have made those jokes, and everyone would have, like, kind of chuckled or been like, oh, the good old trash Tozier in this. In the new one? No, it, he kind of seems like it's it's a little hard to uh, understand why they're even friends with him. And I, I think that is somewhat intentional. I think it's one of those things where maybe he doesn't get enough attention at home, or he's constantly bored, so he has to, like, make up these voices and make up these uh, jokes. You know, they cast Finn Wolfhard just on the strength of Stranger Things, and I respect that, but I I just don't think it's very good casting. So, he was my favorite character. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. I mean, I, enjoy, I didn't enjoy all of his jokes, but I enjoyed enough to where I had the weird sensation where I walked out of a movie and went, Wow, that kid was really funny. That's not a thing that happens a lot when I see movies. No, that's a good point. In fact, one of the things that both movies do very, very well is they get very good child actors. That is not easy. It's hard to get even one good child actor in a movie, and both of these got six. I'm not counting Stan, because that's not a good actor. But <laughs> these, honestly, come on, he's not. He's just, in the original, he's He just awful. read the Torah. That's and in this he one, he's just bad. So, you know, whatever. Uh, but the characters of both, of, I mean, the actors of both of these, they're really good child actors. You know, and Finn Wolfhard is a very good actor. This kid's gonna hopefully have a really good future. But in this one, I, I just it, you couldn't sell me on some of his lines. Like this, he was like, "Is this something only virgins could understand?" And there's a beat for a laugh. That laugh never came from me. I, Look, I, I didn't say they were all funny. Yeah, I I know there's a there's a couple in there where I I, I think it is intentional though that some of the jokes are just 
it, it's it's a joke that's meant to be so obscene that the kids are just like, well, this is not the time, you know? Like uh, they said, it was like a they, they called a dairy what? It was like a Beaver Town or something like that. He's like, <laughs> still is right, and it holds up his hand for a high five that never comes. I was just that like, one. That one destroyed me. I oh. won't even lie to you. <laughs> the, the fucking high five that got left hanging. I think that, it yeah, spoke it's, to it's, me in ways that's what that this movie did not before. His line is not what's funny. It's it's the way that everyone tells, shut up, you know, sort of thing. That's that's what's funny, you know. Well, to me, it's like the Cartman thing where he's just really obnoxious, and everyone's like, why the fuck are we friends with this fat idiot who everyone hates? Yeah, you know, he's like. Like everyone hates uh, Kenny because he's poor or something like that. That's not what's funny. It's it's more funny. It's like, wait, why do they hang out with this kid? You know? It's hard to imagine why I would watch an obnoxious kid who keeps talking and wonder, huh, why do I connect with this kid? Now, that being <laughs> said, uh, there there was a whole lot of good about uh, Rich in this movie. Although, for the most part, whenever he was on screen, I, I was just, I was kind of like John Goodman in The Big Lebowski. I was just like, shut the fuck up Richie for for most of the entire movie uh, there the scene is again it's 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 the conflict right before the climax where uh, he and Bill get into a physical fight and Bill punches him that to me was a big deal because speaking as someone who's been an 11 year old boy punching someone that's a big deal that it is a friendship ruiner that is a I don't forget that sort of move and it gets to the climax. He's like, "You, you told us, uh, you know, to, you know, you know, we all had to come down here, sort of thing." And it's like, I, "I hate you, sort of thing." And now I'm going to have to kill this clown for you. And it's like, oh, it's a nice heroic moment. But one of the lines is, "You punched me." Believe me, that was the most 11 year old boy line I think I've ever heard in any sort of work of fiction. It was just, boy, you really nailed it. And I know that for two reasons: one, I've been a teacher, and one, I've been a wrestling coach. Punching? Oh, believe me. Just the line, you punched me, is enough to make... That, that 11-year-old boy is going to remember it for the next three years. And, again, this comes down to Stephen King writing his characters really, really well. Yeah, the punch, that's a line in the sand you do not cross. It, yeah, very much I so. I mean, you can deliver, like, stone-cold stunners and tombstones that almost paralyze your friends, but you close that fist and, like, oh, okay. You, you Get c- your bike and get the fuck out of my house. You can, you can throw rocks, but... As soon as you wind up with that, I mean, open hand slap is about as far as you can go, you know. And even then, you're gonna get you're gonna get called pansy for something like that. Let's talk about the apocalyptic rock fight. I call it <laughs> I call it so the apocalyptic good. rock fight because that's not my words; those are Stephen King's words. And I have to admit, that's another one where it's just like he does understand what it's like to be an 11 year old boy. Because you have a, a rock fight like that, you don't call it. Oh yeah, we uh, threw rocks at the boys. No, you call it the Apocalyptic Rock Fight of Derry, Maine, 1963, which is, I'm pretty sure, what it's called in the book. And you chuckled when I mentioned the rock fight. That, that scene was supposed to be at least a little bit funny, right? It has to be. Yeah. Because it's through their perspective. They're the ones hearing the badass rock music. They're standing up to them. Badass they carved that, that was, date that into metal. a fucking white picket fence as soon as that was over, so they would never forget it. Yeah, that, that was... that was a, They were playing all the heavy metal during it, and, you know, like... You know, the slow motion stuff and the fact that Richie gets pelted first. <laughs> well, speaking of connecting with the kids, the loser kid with the mullet with the Metallica metal up your ass t shirt with the toilet really also spoke to me in ways I wasn't comfortable with. But that's neither here nor there. Did he have a line in this movie? Doesn't matter. He got hit in the face with rocks. Oh, yeah. Oh, was he the I just looked at him and went, like, fuck yeah, man. I also made bad choices in high school. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> metal up your ass. Uh, Sometimes, if I wear this metal band shirt, people know how cool I am. Oh man, 
But I'm actually sitting alone at lunch because they can't handle my powerful music. Right. <laughs> and no one brought the Yu-Gi-Oh cards but me today. <laughs> uh, anyway. Who wants to get served? <laughs> Step right up, bitches. We're not playing a game. We're dueling. Anyway, it's it's a lot better in this version than it is in the in the 1990 miniseries. But this is actually a pretty good interpretation of the book. In the book, the rock fight was like this is a BFD, you know. So they, they really wanted to go through and give the the rock fight the weight that it deserved, and they do. But not just because of the metal, and not just because boy, those rocks hit them way too hard for them to still be standing. Uh, really, the the seed that that got to me is at the end of it that. The bully, Henry Bowers, is humiliated. That is really important to understanding bullies. Because a lot of this is about saving face. I can't be embarrassed in front of my friends, you know? That's that's one of the motivations for uh, for bullies picking on the younger ones, because they just don't want to be embarrassed. And then we get the awesome scene with his dad. Now, I have to ask you a question about that, though, because I didn't notice it. But the lady I was singing with did. Mm-hmm. Did he did he pee his pants after his dad shot at his feet? Cause she looked over and said, "I think he pissed himself." I, but he was already on no, screen. I, if he did, I I don't know. Um, I, I I don't think he did. If he did, I didn't notice. Uh, maybe she was just saying, "Oh yeah, it looks like you know, oh, he just shit his pants or something like that." Uh, if he did, that actually would be fairly brilliant. That would be. No, it wouldn't. Never mind. I was thinking of Patrick Hostetter again, who's basically like a serial killer in training in the book and doesn't appear in this one. This kid is, and he's, Henry Powers is psychotic in the first movie, but so psychotic that he just kind of stands out as like, why is he even in here? You know, in in this, in this adaptation, he's a lot better. Let's, let's talk about Henry Powers. Again, the original is just really bad. Stephen King, like I said, has never understood how to write a bully because he doesn't give them a soul. And Henry Powers isn't really that much different. And, I have to admit, the new bully's just so much better, not only in terms of acting, again, he's he's just got the nose, first of all, but in terms of character, the relationship with his father being shown is so important. In the original, when he gets, he has to stay after school, he's like, oh, my old man's gonna kill me. I was just like, well, what about him? Show, show me him. And this one is like, he loses the knife, and then you actually see him. That scene was just, that was a really, really good scene because there's so many different like perspectives on it. On the one hand, fuck Henry Bowers, that kid's like just an evil asshole. And I, I at first I was like, I kind of like the dad shooting the gun at his feet and saying, uh, you know, essentially, if I scare him, then maybe he won't be such a loser prick. But then he realized that it doesn't quite work like that, that he's going to uh, be even worse. Uh, I studied criminology when I was in college. It was actually in my minor. And... It's a sort of idea of uh, rehabilitation versus retribution, and currently the United States prison system uses retribution instead of rehabilitation. We're not making our prisoners any better once they enter back into society, so recidivism has a really high rate. Uh, in layman's terms, once you get out of prison, you're probably going to go back in there, because retribution, the fear of prison, isn't enough to dispel a whole lot of crimes from happening. And after May, if we went more to a rehabilitation route, it'd be even less threatening, uh, you know, the threat of prison. And you wouldn't hear people saying, oh, I could never go back to prison. But it doesn't help them. Same thing here. It's like, as much as I like to see Henry Bowers, so, you know, quote marks here, punished for his crimes by his father shooting that gun at his feet and just scaring. It's, it's more than like, oh, the gun went off near his feet. It's that it scared him and embarrassed him in front of his friends. It's like, at first, I mean, I kind of like that because I just hate Henry Bowers so much. But you realize... 
that's why Henry Powers is the way that he is. His father has a hand in creating this monster. I mean, you summed it up better than I ever could because I didn't write a single note on that kid, if we're being honest. Well, I mean, it's it's important. I mean, he is, he is uh, one of the main characters, although I have to admit, where he kills his father with the knife, I completely forgot that happened in the book. I remember watching it, and I was, I was thinking to myself, uh, that is a huge change, sir. Then I went up, I looked it up, and I was like, oh, that did happen. Oh, my God. The only thing I remember about him is in the TV movie where he's in the asylum and Pennywise's face appears on the fucking moon. Oh, that's... Oh, it's so bad. First of all, the first thing I think of when I see that is uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. I am the shadow with the moon at night. <laughs> and that was exactly what I thought was also just about the dumbest thing I ever saw. He's looking like TV's Frank in his bed. Uh, that's not even the dumbest scene in that uh, whole. It's not even the dumbest part of that scene. The dumbest part of that Why scene. Is there a dog? Yep, that's a clown which straight up. As soon as I saw that, I think I was I was turning to mom. I was just like, yeah, that's really scary, mom. This is yeah, he's master of horror right here. It's so fucking scary. <laughs> even as a child, you were such a contrarian. I I wasn't even uh, that young. I was because uh, this is it's kind of a PG thirteen miniseries, really. Uh, one of the kids says bastard or something like that but uh, I think I was like I think I must have been like 18 or something when I watched it with her and uh, she she had to admit she was laughing uh, when that stupid dog it wasn't even a dog it was a puppy jumps out of a cloud suit and uh, that guy's like Aah! it was just like that <laughs> slows him on his face Aah! it's it's not even funny it's just cute it's just like oh come here little buddy you know it's nice it's, it's <laughs> God, it's so stupid. Anyway, uh, Henry Bowers gets murked in this version. Oh my god, I completely forgot how hard he dies. Oh, yeah, I have... That is a gruesome... Like, I gotta tell you, if I was eight-year-olds watching this and I had somehow made it through that opening scene, I got to that with him tumbling down the well. Holy fuck. <laughs> I would never go near another well. And that says a lot because I have to go near these really deep holes whenever I help my dad out with his work as like a groundwater expert. <laughs> no. Never under any circumstance will I ever go near a well in my life. Oh my god. Uh, but oh, this, this is another thing. You realize in the original he's just an evil sort of prick. You know, he's just like a murderous psychopath. It's almost like he got fused with Patrick Hotstetter. And in this one he's uh he's very clearly influenced by it that's important now we have a reason for him being a murderous psychopath it's not a good reason but it's a it's a good reason uh in in the sense of it gives it another purpose in the story and it makes him seem less like uh oh yeah he was just an evil psychopath picking on uh little kids sort of thing it's it's more that uh the the clown is influencing and it's affecting a member of the town you know, that's to, to do its bidding in a sort of way, which I think it sort of subtly does with the adults, where they just try not to mention it sort of thing. It, again, it kind of like Nightmare on Elm Street, where like the adults are sort of in on the gag. But on this one, it sort of seems like uh, the adults, they're, they're only, again, they, it's like they know about it without knowing about it. Uh, you know, one of the scenes that got me is a, a friend proffered this theory about uh, Eddie's mom, to the, again, the mom of the uh, hypochondriac, where she's trying to keep him safe again the munchausen syndrome and everything she's trying to keep him safe almost like she knows what evil is out there in the town this movie communicates that far better than the book and i don't even think the miniseries even does a good job of it 
She goes, I don't want you hanging out with those kids. And that's the end of that. Yeah, and she says the line, uh, it's like, you don't need any friends, you just need your own mom. It's just like, yeah, the overbearing parent. Yeah, he's going to start killing cats any second now. Yep. Uh, Okay, we need to get to uh, another character here. Uh, His name is Mike Hanlon. He is... uh, the one black kid in Maine, apparently. Um, and that's his character. Unfortunately, in this version, that is his character. This is this is one of the ones where I think the performances are about as good as they were in the original. I mean, Gun to the Head, I'd probably go with the original, played by Marlon Taylor, just because Marlon Taylor is a complete unknown. You know, never did anything before or after it. And did a good job, you know? Uh, but this new kid, his name is Chosen Jacobs, and he just looks too old like i look at him and i'm like that kid is like 16 you know he yeah, him and beverly don't belong in that gang yeah well, i'll get to beverly in a bit um but he, he's just a little too old and i'm just like i i like his first scare with all the hands coming out of uh that building because... you want to know something really embarrassing what i didn't realize until after the movie ended that that was supposed to be his family uh well i totally didn't put that together no 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 you you're you're not supposed to I know, but even like when he tells the story, oh, yeah. it just never clicked in my brain. Like, oh wow, that sucks. Uh, oh yeah, well, like well, I'm driving home, I just yelled like, ah oh, shit. <laughs> I have to admit, I don't think I get when he told us the story about his family being uh, burned. I didn't put together that those hands were his family's. It took me until uh, Henry Bowers is about to kill him, you know, and I was just like, oh, oh, that was oh, okay. Now I understand. Uh, I have to admit, when Henry Bowers is talking about it, it's like, when I see that burned building, I feel bad. Because, and I'm just like, oh, if he says, I wish I could have finished the job, then I was like, that would have been a bit much. But then he says, I wish I could have done it. And I was just like, oh. You know? Uh, The book does a a bit of a better job here explaining that one of the motivating causes for Henry Bowers to bully him is based off racism, which, again, kind of obvious. But this is 1963. And in a mostly white town, so racism was far more pronounced. There is a bit of a, a hard R N-word in uh, the original, in which you, you mentioned makes it a little bit hard to watch. But I, to me, it's kind of like the sort of child abuse thing. It's important to show the light of truth on some of these unfortunate situations. Um, it makes sense, but when you can barely, like, say bastard and, like, that's as hard as you can push it. Oh, you can't yeah. show, like, any blood, but you can just drop that hard R casually. It's like, what are it, we doing? Well, it's, it's also important to show how... I guess how far we've come as a society. People, <laughs> well, I got some relatives we can talk to. Yeah, let's. <laughs> I guess that's fair. But uh, I mean, you look at it now. People can't drop a hard R on hard R Edward. That's that's why I mean. Unless they're PewDiePie. Unless, hey, oh, current event. Uh, evidently, he can't do that. He got in a lot of trouble for that. <laughs> it was a heated gaming moment. Hey, who hasn't had a heated gaming moment? Started talking about Jews controlling the world's currency. Listen, I mean seriously. I I only said I love my father because I was in a heated gaming moment. <laughs> <laughs> At least said I'd marry you because it was a heated gaming moment. Oh my god. Um, yeah. So the black kid. Um, in, in the original movie, he was better because he, he was the one with the book, and he was kind of like an autodidact. He was just sort of relating their history. And you're right, it's better to show, don't tell. But I guess in the book it was a little bit better because I that to me was one of my favorite parts of the book is learning about the history. It's kind of like my favorite Harry Potter book is the sixth one because you get to learn more about the history and stuff. But even that one does a much better job of showing, not telling, you know? So I, I guess they could have done it better in both versions, but you did bring up a good point. There's not a whole lot of reason for him to be with the group 
besides the fact that he sees an evil killer clown. But then again, so do a lot of other kids, and they don't join the Losers Club. Yeah, because they give the whole history thing to the fat kid. Halfway in the movie, I turned to her like, isn't there supposed to be a black kid in this group? Like, we saw him earlier. Mm Isn't he supposed to be in here? Oh, yeah, the scene with him killing the sheep, that was such a jump scare. Didn't appreciate that. Yeah, I was just like, come on. Although, was that the same gun that they use in No Country for Old Men? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. But my thing with this being so attached to the book is, if this had no source material as a standalone story, half these kids gotta die. Oh, yeah, well... uh, Mike dies, Stan dies, and take your pick the other ones, but like... It would probably be Eddie. There's too many, and not enough of them have anything to do. They took the one thing Mike had in the 1990 version, so he's literally like, Hey guys, I'm an outsider. Here's my sheep killing gun. Yeah. Well, I'm not going down the well. Oh yeah, the, the, the whole thing was like, yeah, I'm an outsider. I just gotta be an outsider here, and, I, and he, that's his reason for going away. I was like, really? You're gonna go with that? No, I don't give a fuck. Why'd you show up in the first place to the haunted nightmare house? Yeah, what did you think it was gonna be? That's a good point. Um, speaking of, I, I like the haunted nightmare house. I was, a, I was a little bit afraid that that was where the... Uh, the climax was going to take place where it's supposed to take place in the sewers and boy what a good climax but um yeah well again i I just he's not that great of a character in this but uh you know it's good to have him around i suppose um when you focus a lot on bill and everything with his little brother you focus a lot on beverly and her relationship with her dad and you focus a lot on ben like just cut two or three other ones you're fine yeah well i mean it's in the original, uh, the way he wrote it, Richie says that, you know, seven's a perfect number, something like that. Technically, uh, mathematically, six is a perfect oh, number. But, uh... Thank you, Mr. Shapiro. Honestly, if we had just got a, <laughs> if we had just got rid of uh, Stan, the movie probably would have been better for it. We just get this one Jew out of the goddamn movie. I hear you, Chris. Oh, do, I hear you loud and clear. Well, you know what? This was just... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Let's move on to Beverly. So, for Beverly Marsh... This is, I bet this one is going to get you finally as one of the hotter takes, besides the the Richie Tozier one. I don't know how anyone could like Sophia Lillis over Emily Perkins. Emily Perkins was the actress in the original. Do you, do you recognize the name Emily Perkins? You should. I do. You but do. Because you're Because you slept. specifically are a hardcore fan of the Ginger Snaps trilogy. I mean, you know me. Mm hmm. You've, come on, you've seen, you've seen Ginger Snaps, right? Yeah, I've seen the first one. I saw the first one, and I saw the second one. For the longest time, the second one was in, like, my top 100 movies. This was back when I was, like, trying to get into films and stuff like that, and I saw Ginger Snaps 2, because I was dating a goth chick at the time, and she made me watch it. Uh, Ginger Snaps 1 has one of the worst openings I've ever seen in a movie, and Ginger Snaps 2 has one of the worst endings I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, so it's almost like it's complete there. I never saw... It's a perfect bookend. I don't think I ever uh, saw Ginger Snaps 3, because it takes place in like the 1700s. The, that's the colonial one, isn't it? Yeah, I was like, I'm not going to watch that. Let's just pencil that in for October. <laughs> I already saw The Witch. Why are you making me see these colonial horror movies? <laughs> I want to make you see some good movies, and also Ginger Snaps 3. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to go from Carrie to that. Uh... Emily I mean, Perkins. it's either that or Langoliers, uh, so, you know. Uh, I'm so ready to watch Langoliers. I can't wait to do anything else. <laughs> uh, Emily Perkins is such a good actress in the original. She is incredible at 11 years old, and it kind of makes you wonder how she didn't get more popular as an adult. It's probably the fact that she's Canadian or something, but 
boy, she is just so good. She does these little things with her face. It's it's when the the the, the one where you first see her is uh, Ben has just entered the classroom. He's introduced himself, and Henry Bowers is insulting him, calling him a porker. He's like, God, look at his tits or something like that. <laughs> and it cuts to Emily Perkins' face as Beverly, and boy, I have seen that face before. I have seen that face before where there's a bully in your class and there's nothing you can say or do. You know, you just you just gotta live with this monster behind you. And boy, she just communicates so much of that pain. And there's another there's another difference here. Lilith, uh, the, the new Beverly Marsh, it, she definitely appears a little bit older. Or at least a little bit more obviously developed than the rest of the club, which uh, they kind of play up at one point in the movie. It kind of made me uncomfortable, but it was just one scene, so I Yeah, I was just like... If it had gone on past that, it'd have been like, alright. Yeah, you, yeah. I, I kept, you need to move that camera up a bit. I kept to get wondering, it's like, what are you guys gonna do? You know, like, you're not gonna go that far. And they, luckily they don't, but... Uh, it kind of made me uncomfortable. And, and yeah, to be fair, uh, that is an 11-year-old boy thing that you would do. You see an 11-year-old girl there, and you start noticing the differences in your body. Yeah, they're all gonna stare. It's you and your bros just strip down to your undies in the middle of the woods in, just to chill, you know. In just Maine. guy shit. In Maine. That's the thing. Fuck yeah, dude. Maine has some of the coldest. That's why they call it Bangor, motherfucker. <laughs> Me and my bros. I can't believe you brought in the Bangor line. You really did watch Langoliers recently, didn't you? The Stephen King universe loves Bangor, Maine. Oh, I, I like how the Stephen King universe is really just the Stephen King state. <laughs> Speaking of our new Steven Universe podcast. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, I'm going to play the Steven Universe like theme song for when we do just Stephen King month. I'm into it. Uh, Lily will listen to every episode. First, first I'll have to listen to the Stephen King uh, uh, or Steven Universe theme song, which I've never done. I've never even watched a second of that show. Never will. Um, <laughs> Pencil that in for November. <laughs> I knew you would do that. Uh Perkins' performance in the original is incredible, but Lillis's portrayal is a little bit closer to the original story. And I have to admit, it doesn't help because she plays most of the movie with this sort of like this flat affect, you know? It's just like, I'm not saying she does everything in a monotone, but she her, her voice doesn't have quite enough personality to it. And her face, oh my god, her face throughout the entire movie is the exact same, with one exception. Uh, the exception would be the scene in the bathroom with all that blood. She makes a great face there, and her voice is fantastic in that scene, but it damn well better be. You fucking see that? Do you see how much blood was in there? There was more blood in that scene than the scene in Evil Dead 2 where Bruce Campbell almost drowned in blood. Yeah, I was definitely thinking Evil Dead slapstick, and I don't think I was supposed to be thinking the slapstick part. Yeah, I thought it was really funny. I actually, I went to the one that you mentioned. It was like it was a little bit more like a Nightmare on Elm Street, and because like the you know the geyser of blood, and she she said after she made the movie, just like yeah, that scene was uh, really hard to film, and I was just like yeah, I can see why. What she did, that's not easy. And I have to admit, it was a little there. There was a build up to that scene. The build up was way too long, you know. Like hearing hearing the voices I in the drain. I almost kind of liked the stuff in the drain more, just because like it's subtle and creepy, and not just. Now I'm gonna vomit blood yeah, in your face. I, in a as soon as geyser. I saw all that blood in there, and the kids are like, "Well, we have to clean this up," and I was just like, "Yeah, yeah that cleaning montage. What the fuck? That would take like three days to clean." I know. I, I saw that, and it's just like you should probably disinfect the place first. You know, it was it was just so much blood. I was just like, 
you should just move somewhere else, you know? <laughs> Burn that house down and go to fucking Rhode Island, because yeah. it's over. Exactly. And there's nothing scary in Rhode Island, trust me. Um, I, I, look, I, Lilith does a fine enough job, but honestly, she is nowhere near as good of an actress as Emily Perkins is, which is unfortunate. Lilith will probably grow up and be a really good actress in her own right, unlike Perkins, but... He, Look, if you if you tell me to pick anyone over here, the the biggest uh, downgrade, as far as I'm concerned, is Emily Perkins to to Sophia Lillis. Again, go back and watch it. The the stuff she does with her face, it's it's just incredible. What she does like it, another another one, confronting her father, like that that is such a big scene. Like her father really is not sexually abusive in the original. He's more uh, just physically abusive. He slaps her around a whole lot. And her face, she looks so scared of him. In this one, she's more like creeped out by him, you know? More like, I, I want to avoid this guy. In, in the the older one, it looks like she's been slapped around by him before, you know? Well, I took it as she just completely shut down. I, I, I think I can buy that, sort of, but like... That's why she uh, always sounded just so flat, except for, you know, when the blood guys are happening, I, she was able to I, go crazy. Cause yeah, maybe that's what they were just, doing. You're getting raped by your dad at home. You're getting bullied at school. And everyone's telling the world that you're a slut. Like, yeah. I probably shut down so, too. So about Beverly I shut Hills. down when the Cowboys lose a game. So you know. Yeah. Oh, get to that podcast later. Um, <laughs> I I have to admit, you know, is it wrong for me to prefer the original version of Beverly's father? Because I I think it okay. It is wrong of me to do it because the original one isn't sexually abusive, although. The story works better when he is sexually abusive, and he was sexually abusive in the novel, if I read it correctly and remember it correctly. I'm sure Josh can call me out as to whether I'm wrong. But I think what I prefer about the original, besides the fact that I didn't have to see an attempted child rape movie, uh, is that the man is still a contemptible creep without being lecherous. And that's not always easy to do. It's, it's a much smaller and far more insignificant part, but it's so important to shine that light on physical abuse on children, not just sexual abuse. Because everyone, everyone talks about, you know, uh, minors being sexually abused, and obviously it's a terrible thing. But, I, you know, I've always hated seeing uh, a, a father or, or mother, you know, beat their kids. I, I was never, ever hit by my parents, and I think I turned out well for it. And just the idea that that happens in so many homes across America, you know, this, you know, just beating on kids, that's terrible. And it's something that needs to be brought to light. And he doesn't quite, I think, hit her in this movie. He just grabs her legs at one point, which is enough for me to be like, don't you dare do it. I swear to God, if you guys do it, I'll walk out of this theater. But I gotta admit, she fucking murks him. Yeah, and that scene is another big problem of mine. So she finally stands up to him, murks him with that, and then Pennywise just kidnaps her. Like, oh, yeah, she's was, not scared. Was... Like, how is she just the random damsel in distress now? Yeah, that's... I didn't really think this part through. That scene where she just gets uh, grabbed by her throat by Pennywise. Just I mean, I, I'm pissed and shit myself, but that's oh, not the point. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't at all. You know why? Because on YouTube... I'll, I'll be like watching YouTube on my phone so I don't have ad blocker. That scene was spoiled for me. And oh, so I, I knew that scare was coming. I was like, okay, when does he grab her by the throat? And there's there's a couple things wrong with it. One, I saw it coming because of the fucking trailer. But more importantly, he's in her house. It, it feels like a cheat, you know? Like, she's she's not supposed to be... He, he's not supposed to be able to enter their house. Otherwise, it feels too easy. Well, like As soon as the dad's gone, 
Yeah, that's what that's immediate because you know there's no more adults around. Yeah, but I always felt like he was connected to the sewers. Like in the book, there are a little bit more rules with it. Again, not quite like Freddy Krueger, but it's like it's connected to the sewer system. So that's why it made sense why he was in the cellar, uh, the flooded cellar of uh, Bill's house. See, and uh, the sewer system was also connected to that haunted house. Um, (laughs) But then now that I think about it, uh, it didn't make sense for him to be in the synagogue in that painting. I mean, I guess I should have cut Stan anyway. it does make sense for her to be like, all right, dad's gone and him just to walk in like, hey, yeah. I'm in your house now. Yeah, so but up? even then. I'm just going to chill in the that, corner here. There is that and the fact that in the <sighs> giant clown monster in the garage scene, uh, they, they I realize, don't know how I feel about that scene. <laughs> well, I'll talk about it in a second. Um, it's, oh, it's, my bad. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, actually, I do kind of want to bring it up. It's uh, One of the kids, I think it was Eddie, says, now he knows where we are. I Yes, you can kind of make the argument that, you know, that's why he was able to come to her house. Why didn't he do it sooner? Well, one of them said he already knew. Oh. That was just him freaking out because there was a giant clown. I don't know how to read that scene. Like, it got me at first because I... Out of all things I expected, that was not one of them. It was a very... But then the longer it went, the sealer it kind of got. It was a very Five Nights at Freddy's scene to me, you know? Because he's yeah, just you know. so loud and goofy when he emerges from the screen. And I, I knew he was going to emerge from the screen. He, he has to. That was in the original story. It was in the original movie. But not, not well done in the movie. And I'm really glad that they didn't just make him like on the screen uh saying of every nightmare i've ever had i'm your worst dream come true i'm gonna drive you all crazy then i'm gonna kill you because that was one of the worst parts of the original book because it's just like oh i'm crazy i'm evil i'm crazy you know i'm gonna make you go all crazy and i'm evil i'm gonna kill you he has damage written on his forehead exactly it's just come on you're trying just way too hard here you know like another thing with all the loud noises like you take that scene and have it dead silent just to clicking that projector no i'm i'm like looking around like Will anyone see if I cover my face? Exactly. There, there. I have to admit, there are a couple points where I was just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna bend down really hard to like bite my pretzel," you know. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of, like, every time her dad came on screen, like, oh, I need another beer over here because I don't, <laughs> I don't know where this is going. I don't want to sit in a crowded room while some dude tries to fuck his daughter. I don't. You add that to the list of things I never need in any movie. Period. Anyway, cracking crack. A, crack a, Cracking up in a cold room with the boys as he fucks his daughter. Thank you for saying that one. (laughs) Because I got to try really hard. Me Um, and the lads sipping a pint while she fights (laughs) off her dad. (laughs) Oh boy, your girl must have. You can take that and you can take rape revenge and you can just fucking keep it. Oh boy. Stay in your own little subgenre so I don't have to watch it. I'm looking at you, Split. Well, you know, that's another thing about her dad is that, like, they play the music during him. Like, when he's, like, he grabs her her arm and he's just like, you're still my little girl, right? And, like, they're playing that music under him, like, boom, wouldn't it be creepy to have a dad like this? Whereas in the original, it's silent. Now, very briefly, what was your favorite change in the movie? I'd say my favorite change is probably the opening scene because the opening scene in the 1990 version is that really, really lame scene with the girl on the tricycle. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was awful. And then the one in this one, I mean, it's 
like I said earlier, one of my favorite opening scenes I've seen in a very long time. Actually, I'm glad you brought up the the girl with the tricycle because I remember something else is that might be the one creepy scene of Tim Curry because him in the library doing that whole do you have Prince Albert in a can joke, which is <laughs> which by the way has never been funny in history before that moment. He's the only man who has ever made that joke funny. Um, that scene with him with the little girl on the tricycle. That might be the one scene where he's a little bit creepy, but it's not because of him. It's it. It's mostly he's making a face at one point. It's because of the clothes uh, going in front of him. And so you just see a glimpse of him. It's very much like the way that Mike Myers was in Halloween, where you could just see him just for a glimpse and then he disappears. That's what's scary. So you see him at first and she's like, she thinks she sees him between the, the, the clothes. And uh, when he waves the camera, he goes, hi, like that. That's not scary. It's just like, there's a clown there but then there's a, a scene right after that like a split second the the clothes move away and he's doing like this snarl towards the camera you know oh, yeah. that's that's kind of creepy because he doesn't have those stupid teeth you know yeah those teeth are very lame those now the well, teeth in, in the my late one, 20s the teeth in the new one holy shit <laughs> at, at the very end when his whole top of his jaw just curls up get the fuck out of my face with this yeah, but, yeah, but it, it was. I think it was way better at the opening scene, mostly because you can see what kind of damage they do. At first, I was like, "Oh, come on!" With the t- oh, 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 oh. Uh, which, by the way, I gotta mention something about that opening scene. I, I had you get when you order the pretzel, you get cheese and mustard. I hate the mustard. I, I, I what I every do is time I open it up every to like, time, to like kind of sniff it to be like, which one's the cheese, which one's the mustard. I sniffed the mustard as soon as that scene happened. It was just awful. It was like like reverse smelling salts it nearly knocked me out as soon as i saw that scene so i was kind of fucked up hot tip the cheese is always warmer i get the pretzel all the time oh good point okay yeah i always get the pretzel that's like my go-to um i also had one it was a bee's kiss milkshake it's you delicious. said something that hang on da, 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 da. What, the teeth you compared them to the scene in halloween mm-hmm. yeah which makes a lot of sense because the director like was a protege john carpenter and went on to do halloween 3 after carpenter stopped making him Womp womp. I, w- I, w- I was just kind of waiting to be like, so? Who the fuck watched Halloween 3? Oh, you've never seen <laughs> Halloween 3? No. Oh, child. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, you have fucked up. That movie is fucking bonkers. Okay, so closing thoughts on uh, it. it. Overall, good movie or great movie? Oh, boy. As soon as it ended, it was great. But looking back... I'd say good because from a year from now, like, I don't know if it's going to stay with me because there's movies I watch that are all jump scares, like I mentioned, like Insidious and The Conjuring, that are fun to watch with people, but, like, I don't know how much it's going to get under my skin and stay with me. I'd say it's a good movie as it is. As far as the genre of horror, I'd call it great. I'd certainly nowhere near as good as Don't Breathe, which I'd consider excellent, nearly peak of the genre. And as far as Stephen King goes, it's good, but... I, what do you call it a top five Stephen King movie because the top five Stephen King movies are The Shining Shawshank Redemption Green Mile uh, Misery and then I guess Carrie I've heard good things about I'd be willing to go top ten because you can't so compare why? a you movie know? with a clown to Shawshank oh, never mind, Green Mile never mind. that's just not fair never mind. number five is Stand By Me yeah, it's when you do the whole Stephen King, not just the Stephen King horror ones, I'd go top ten. Yeah, because everyone talks about, oh, so Stephen King movies and miniseries suck or whatever, but it's just like, yeah, but he's done so many. 
I mean, come on. But then again, I can't go top ten. Because this top ten is going to include shit like Children of the Corn, where you're, you're exactly. desperately searching for like a seven through ten. So Quality I, over quantity has nothing to do with Dino, Dino De Laurentiis Productions, exactly. as you will learn this October. I know. So, oh, child. So I... And as far as Stephen King movies go, I I consider it uh, excellent, just because there's so many bad ones. So this is not bad. This is really good. I have to admit, uh, Alex asked us this. Is just uh, it was in the Discord. He was like, I have to wonder why this was even made, because I, I th- it the novel was really popular. I guess I could see why the miniseries was made, but the miniseries was bad, and it was bad enough that it's like it's still a cold classic as of Tim Curry. I don't think it warranted a remake, but I'm, I gotta tell you, I'm happy they made one. This is much better. Because I'm happy I saw it. Horror things from the '80s have been so so in in the genre for the last like five years. I mean, Stranger Things is a huge peak for it, but they've been ramping up to it for a while. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm surprised this didn't happen sooner. Okay, so what's the next one we're gonna watch? I have no idea. Okay, I'll tell you what, let's. Uh... Oh, I do have to mention one thing though. I was so fucking happy. That the movie didn't end with the last second jump scare, because that is the worst trend in horror right now. Oh, yeah. Actually, what they did is uh, the post-credit... Did you stay for post-credits? It's just him laughing? No. Oh. Whatever. Well, yeah, it was uh, not really... Anyway. Because after Sinister, the literal last shot is literally his head popping into frame with a loud noise, and almost every studio horror movie did that. Yeah, that's... Fucking unfriended, all these garbage movies did that. I was so happy. For a movie that has so many... Booga booga loud noises like thank you for showing some restraint and ending on an emotional moment. Well, yeah, they couldn't thank because God. they de- they defeat him with the power of friendship. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, a- again, that's like the one movie that actually does it well. That and like they kind of they they use fear against him, you know. So, uh, uh, jeez, we we gotta we gotta do a movie, uh, uh, Universal Soldier. Sure. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Wait, really? Okay. I don't. I have it downloaded right now. So <laughs> why? I don't. You could just watch Cabin in the Woods. Okay, fine. This will be the. I was gonna save it for October, but okay. Tell you what, we'll... we're gonna watch like forty Stephen King movies okay, in October. Yeah, okay, next... You're not gonna have time for good movies. Fine. Next week is Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> Perfect girl. Oh, look, there goes a squirrel!
the woods of pure tranquility A chance for me to rest in a nice facility I came up to this cabin to read and sleep and bake Hope our headboard rattling don't keep your brood ass away Ew! trip will be wacky fun Seven days to snuggle my honey bun A week of drinking Premarital sex And tonight I'll make some snacks Out of Hershey bars and checks Listen to us now And make no mistake We're gonna have fun Cause it's spring break We'll pour, we'll score We'll fall flat on the floor We'll do all this Five, 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 five